0: I'm Tim Burrows from Unmade. Welcome to the Unmakers, a series in which I talk to people who are trying to remake the media and marketing world. Each episode, I talk to people who are doing business differently. We're going to meet the startups, the troublemakers and the dreamers who've looked at the communications industry and are trying to find a better way. If you're an Unmaker with a story to tell about how you're changing the media and marketing world, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at tim at unmade dot media. Before you remake it, you've got to Unmake it. In today's episode of The Unmakers, I talked to Richard Baker, one of Australia's most awarded investigative journalists. In just a few days' time, Richard departs the age where he spent most of his professional career. 23 years. He's launching his own podcasting company, Southern Ocean Media. The new direction is not completely out of the blue. Richard's been involved in the creation of several fascinating investigative podcasts. That includes true crime podcast, Wrong Skin, Phoebe's Fall, which was the investigation into the mysterious death of Phoebe Hansjuk, and the failures of the justice system involved in that case, and tale of drug smuggling, the last voyage of the Pong I started off by asking Richard about the amazing work that he's done for The Age, first when it was owned by Fairfax and more recently by Nine, and um, asked why was he leaving?
1: It's a good question. Now, uh, one I've obviously asked myself from time to time. Um, a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I just feel ready for a new challenge. Uh, I guess I came straight to the age at as at the age of twenty one, so fresh right out of uni, and um, I, you know, had a summer break and started my cadetship, and I've had a wonderful time and. I wouldn't change anything and, you know, I couldn't have imagined to have had such a career there and I'm very grateful for all the opportunities. Um, but I just felt like I needed a new challenge and I felt like I could do the audio storytelling that I wanted to do more efficiently and how I want to do it, I think, without all the... Um, you know, natural or usual sluggishness isn't the right word, but, you know, bureaucracy of a big organisation. And that's not a criticism, that's just a fact of life when you're dealing with any big organisation, you know, the allocation of resources and things needs a lot of people to tick off on. And uh, I guess maybe now at the age of 44 I'm just getting more impatient and uh, wanting to do yeah, do things my way.
0: Yeah, I... um. I suppose that's the thing, particularly when one's doing something like podcasts where you're planning on investing a huge amount of time. It's not unrealistic that when you're working with an organization, you've got to sell that idea and that proposal in. Um, And of course, you know, people might agree with you to do it or they might not. But either way, there's, there's just an effort to get the ball rolling, I suppose.
1: Oh, that's, yeah, spot on. And that, again, it's, it's just the way it is. It's not a, not a criticism. And I think, um, you know, a lot of big media organisations uh, that, that have not been broadcast-based or, you know, audio-based um, are still grappling or still trying to work out what their strategy is when it comes to podcasting. And there's a lot out there. There's a lot of really good stuff. There's a lot of not-so-good stuff. How do you find the formula that works for you and your organisation? And um, I guess I've found, I think I've found a formula that I think I can make work for what I like to do. Um, So, you know, rather than, uh, you know, working in, in, in a combative sense or frustrated sense, why not just take a take a, punt and go out and give it a go and if the the worst thing that happens is it it doesn't work well you know hopefully there's always um other lines of work or other opportunities in the media to fall back on but yeah it's it's the right the right time and place and yeah it's fair enough in a big organization too that um you know not everyone's going to agree with the way you see things or um you know I'm very narrow focused I don't have my eyes across all areas of the business that's not my job and you know I'm just determined and and pretty um hell-bent on on doing what I believe in and you know so I'm probably a pain to manage as well because I'll ask for forgiveness rather than ask for permission
0: I um I I, I'm guessing you must have a bit of a entrepreneurial streak as well i i've got a vague memory you won't remember this you 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 spoke at a mumbrella event that we organized actually not not far from where i'm recording this now in in tasmania and you were talking about the last voyage of the pong zoo and you would just been out and sold the ads yourself
1: that's right yeah yeah i just had an idea there um for a synergy i guess uh, i was with the the tac in victoria which is the transport accident commission and um i thought well the great ocean road which is where the the pong su story a lot of the drama took place it is a popular road but can be a dangerous road and also um you know drink and drug driving because the, the podcast was about a big heroin shipment um i thought there were a few just natural selling points there and i thought well, oh, why not you know um go and see if the tac wanted to be involved and and thankfully they were and so uh, that was my, my one and only, um, you know, normally not, not allowed to get involved in the advertising side of the business um, for, for good reasons. Um, but, yeah, I, look, I, yeah, I do have an entrepreneurial streak and um, that's what I'm hoping to explore with uh, with my company um, and through a strategy that sort of will really carefully target uh audience in terms of what podcasts I put out. So I'll be looking to do more. of I've got two more longer form things, um, narrative or investigative series uh, underway or in development already, and then looking to launch two more weekly um, chat style things which will be targeted towards, uh, one, to towards people who are interested in the media or working in the media, um, and it will be fairly, hopefully... Um, you know, some lively debate, but also informative and educative for people about how stories happen and what happens when things go wrong. And so so some really high-end people involved in that. And then another one, um, looking at the relationship between uh, animals and their owners. And, uh, you know, I think there's an audience there too.
0: Look, I think there probably is. And um, I, I guess there's only um, so much you're going to be able to say about the ones you're you're working on. And I think you've already partly asked, uh, answered the question I was going to ask, which was, um, I suppose if I had to sum you up as a podcaster, I'd, I'd say a cold case investigator. Um, will, will we see that characteristic come through, or is that not how you think of yourself when you uh, when you think of yourself as a podcaster?
1: Yeah, in the ones that I'm looking at, no, they they're not – um, cold cases. Uh, I do have one more podcast series coming out through the Age and Sydney Morning Herald. Um, it's going to be called The Confession, and that will be out uh, hopefully in October, sometime around mid-October. Uh, and that's really good, and that's a look at the the criminal justice system and uh, some remarkable audio uh, from the from the Supreme Court of. Cross examination of um, some senior homicide detectives about the adequacy of their police work when a an item thought long lost is discovered and it upends everything, and then you've got the person at the centre of it all was the woman who was charged with with a murder and convicted that she was adamant always she didn't do so. Sort of telling her story, but through that we get this lens into the working of the justice system. So I guess in in sort of um, showcasing that new thing coming out there uh, and getting back to answering your question. Yeah, the ones I've done are, are looking at, you know, cold cases or events, but then try to do stuff that there's extra layers to. So with the wrong skin thing, it was about actually bringing the issues of uh, that encounter people living in a remote Aboriginal community um, up in the far northwest of Western Australia, deal with in in their daily lives, but also in in their beliefs and and living in two in a world where there are almost two systems of law, and trying to bring that out to the wider audience, you know, to the rest of Australia, and yeah, I mean, an unsolved or a, a tragedy, you know, where you've got a young a young mum. Um, found dead after missing for you know nearly 12 months and then her boyfriend who she wasn't meant to be with because of their, their skin groupings, um, never been seen since 1994 you know and would be presumed dead. Uh, I find that fascinating and, and like I made at the point in that podcast, um, if if the woman in that story, Julie, um, Julie Buck, was a white mum, from Melbourne, Sydney or Perth at the age of 24 and she went missing and then was found under a tree two cases from her house and hadn't been solved, I reckon everyone would know about it. But because it happened where it did and when it did and within the group of people it did, no one had ever heard of it. So for me, that's the reason to do the story. What's
0: your assessment of the teacher's pet's place in the landscape now that that case is over?
1: Uh, well, it's a force of nature. Um, it's yeah, a very powerful. Podcast seem to you know, it's obviously hit um, hit a, hit a nerve or hit a you know touching point with a lot of people were fascinated um, by the by the story, and I think uh, Headley Thomas and the Australian are very um, combative. Journalists, and I think the uh, the overall result, um, and what it what it showed was, it, it, you know, for me, you know, you can argue around a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of debate about, you know, interfering with witnesses or how much of the work was underway by the police strike force or whatever. But ultimately, with I think think without the power of the the podcast and the the investigation, and then the the force with which. Uh, Headley in Australia um execute their case. That 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 prosecution um, was it going to happen without that that energy? And I guess that the other thing it raised is if most of these facts were known back at the many 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 years ago, why why wasn't there an attempt to prosecute? So I think that was for me the real powerful takeaway from from that work. Look, I I think I I have a different style um, to the way I do it. I'm not saying it's better or worse. Um, And I'd certainly, yeah, you know, my style isn't to go out and just point the finger at someone day after day and say they did it. Now that may be, you know, weak of me or whatever, but I, I don't feel that that's my place. It's certainly our place to... Showcase, highlight weaknesses, um, the gaps, ask the questions, but I don't think it's our job to prosecute necessarily. So it's a it's a it's a, it's a scale. It is. It's
0: difficult, isn't it? Because I suppose I think about something like Phoebe's fall, which I think, and obviously one has to choose one's words carefully here, as a as a listener to all of the evidence, one comes to a conclusion that the the coroner could have been more curious to say the least and that you know perhaps her family didn't enjoy the full workings of the justice system um this there was obviously a lot to get angry about in there um and i suppose it's yes how you find that balance of forensically telling it versus full-on crusading journalism um so you, you'd put yourself maybe one or two dots back from the teacher's pet on the spectrum, presumably, then?
1: Yeah, I would. Um, and, and, again, it's each, each to their own in this, and, and my view is each to their own in, in this at the moment, but m- my view is that we're a bit of a dangerous ground in Australia and worldwide that, that journalism's becoming activism. And that's not I'm not that's not a, in relation to, to the teacher's pet or anything like that. This is a much more general comment, um, and it gets tied up in identity politics and ideology and stuff. And I just think we 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 find out new facts, we present new stuff, we give try and give every voice, every side to something a, a say, and and use our. Judgment and intellect to follow the strongest facts and, and ask the questions and and raise doubts and and create doubt and obviously create discussion. But um, yeah, I, I don't I, crusading journalism turns me off, frankly, because um, I think they lose people who take it that far, lose objectivity, and then you know we we get a symptom of you know the media, different sides attacking each other and. And things like that, and that's just very tiring. And I don't think it serves the community or our audiences very well. They couldn't give two hoots about, um, you know, uh, journalists taking pot shots at each other. I think we just, you know, admire, you know, the way different people do their work. And it's only my my personal point of view that, um, yeah, there's a there's a line um, between journalism and activism, and I think for whatever reason maybe it's some social media stuff too or things that that in some cases we're just getting too close to that line or stepping over it and it's not my cup of tea but it may be for others
0: and obviously a lot of this is important is public interest journalism um, which is notoriously hard to fund um, how are you thinking about the business model of actually making this happen because you know a lot of time and effort is going to go into this. So, you know, uh, how will you structure it to actually make sure that uh, that you can make a living from it?
1: Yeah, I've, I've thought pretty hard about that. Um, and I'm putting, you know, I guess I'm putting all my chips on the table in my faith, faith in in, in my ability to do these stories and, and do them well and that there is an interest there. And um, so for all those Longer, what I call longer form, uh, a series, um, it would be a commission-based thing. So you would want to take the the story and the package and, and present that to a platform like a Spotify, Audible, the BBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, Apple. There's, there's you know there's a number out there. Uh, the hunger for really good, unique content is strong. Um, I think, you know, if we're honest in podcasting and in even in streaming now, I think we're seeing a real discrepancy in there's some really good stuff. I think there's some pretty ordinary stuff out there as well. Um, And so I'd be hoping to, you know, and I've been quite careful in the stories that I would be presenting there, that there are global, you know, Universal themes that are interesting for people, not confined to a geographic region.
0: I was going to ask about that because I was sort of think, I mean, firstly, because the, the organisations you you mention are all kind of global organisations, even if they've got footprint in Australia as well. I was thinking of someone like Mark Fennell, who's done some great podcasts, but he's always found really quirky, interesting, internationally interesting angles. You know, they're not they're not Aussie specific and the, the things you're working on that's that's similar again is it
1: yes yeah yeah so the um there, there's obviously in the two that I'm sort of um developing at the moment there there's a obvious Australian angle and connections but a lot of the action uh takes place in one of them takes place not in Australia but in in multiple countries overseas and involves other characters um from you know, from United States, Canada to the Middle East.
0: Sounds expensive.
1: Yeah, yes and no. Yeah, I mean, it all It all comes down to budget, right, in terms of what, what you can do. But I guess, you know, you mentioned guys like Mark um, earlier, but one thing I think or one skill we have coming from, you know, Australian journalism newsrooms and things is I'm my own fact checker. I don't have a researcher. I don't have a fact check or any, any of those things, you know, I do a lot of my a bush lawyer, you know, because I've been around enough. I kind of know in the writing of what I can get away with, what I can't, you know. So, of course, things still have to be legal. But what I'm saying is the overheads aren't that high. Yeah, there's travel and other things and you want, you know, I'll put my hand up and go, I'm, I'm nev- not the world's greatest um, producer or sound designer, I don't want to be because um, I want to be, you know, one of the best at, at finding, writing and and creating. Um, so there's got to be money for that.
0: And do you see yourself as employing those people or is it more likely that that will sit with the people that you're licensing this content to when it comes to sound design, that sort of thing?
1: I'd be hoping to, to arrange in the budget that I can employ the people that I want to work with that I think, that I know can do the job um, and whether that be, you know, it would have to be a project to project um, kind of arrangement. So it would have to, to work for those people, but there's, yeah, obviously a lot up for negotiation and, and discussion, but in my head, that's how that would be because I've already had discussions with certain people that I admire their skills and would really like to, to work with again or, or to work with in the future would they like to come on board for those projects? And so, you know, they're the, there's that angle to the business model. And then by trying to set up the shorter, more weekly things and sponsored stuff, obviously that's about generating audience and income immediately and trying to grow through finding a niche or finding, you know, bringing out a product that um, either isn't there in the market or... Isn't being done as well as it could be, perhaps, um, and just having having a crack there and, and selling the selling the idea. And and with that, I'll be getting some help. Um, so I've you know uh, the guys from Ranieri and Co, which is another little Melbourne outfit. Uh, who put out a great podcast early this year um, called Motherload, which is on um, the early 90s hacking scene in Melbourne that spawned Julian Assange and 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 stuff like that. So those guys, they um, specialize in, you know, finding sponsors and advertising because, you know, ex-radio executives and stuff. Um, so, you know, I'll be looking to work with them uh, on, on one thing in particular and so it's a bit of a trial and error about stuff, but, yeah, I've got a pretty clear idea of not having all your eggs in one basket. And, and I'll also be doing some consulting work to other, uh, you know, companies or organisations that, I guess, um, have a good story or good stories in what they do for their work, but maybe are having the trouble putting their finger on them. And, maybe you know, so coming in and, and helping Okay, let's have a look at what you do. Here's what I think you can do. So, you know.
0: And could this go as far as helping them create effectively branded content for the podcast space?
1: Yeah, 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 potentially. Yeah. And again, it would be just on a um, if it fits kind of basis. But yeah, absolutely. Branded content that, or internal, you know, if they're wanting to educate or, or, Upskill staff or get a message across about stuff. Well, we've all had to sit through those mindless, you know, 45 minute slideshows for OHS or whatever, or about new modules that you just, you, you know, I, I can still manage to fail even though you get all the right answers a million times because I switch off, I don't pay attention because it's boring. So it, if you can create something about with a story or a narrative to it and give your staff something that's really good to listen to and they can do it in, when they're having a jog or at the gym or, you know, washing or whatever, that could be a better way of, um, of getting your message internally or externally than, than many other forums at the moment.
0: And the company's called Southern Ocean Media. Where does the name come from?
1: Well, it comes from um, where I grew up uh, down the coast past Geelong, So in the Ballarine Peninsula there in um, the surf coast and I, a lot of my family is still back there and I've got a little place down there myself and it's where I like to spend a lot of my time uh, in the Southern Ocean or around it. And, yeah, I just like the name. Uh, It sort of speaks to me and, um, yeah, you know, the Southern Ocean's mysterious and moody and it's got a bit of depth to it obviously and uh, it changes and so I just thought, yeah, it's kind of it geographically places you without being too specific.
0: Let's uh, let's talk about your ambitions for the for the company. I suppose anyone who listens to podcasts at some point listened to the startup podcast, which was you know about uh, a content maker going out on their own and you know had the kind of the fairy tale ending of being bought by Spotify for a gazillion dollars. Um. Are you, are you thinking that this is a a, a a cottage industry, sort of bespoke artisan, that you'll be the main voice, or do you see it as becoming something bigger that might actually involve employing other journalists in time?
1: I'd really like to be able to employ other journalists um, in this and, and other professionals um, because, you know... I, I just want the company to be the best independent premium audio storytelling house in the Southern Hemisphere. And I want it to, you know, to be a repository and to grow and to bring other storytellers in under the, um, I guess, under the, the banner and if I can provide them with the opportunity to to do what they do. So it's not always just me. Um I guess if I can help through my experiences and learning the hard way, which I no doubt will throughout this new venture, um, can help other people and give other storytellers a platform and grow. And so it's got to be quality, that's all. It's just gotta, And the story's got to be there for a reason, um, particularly I believe if it's a true crime thing, I don't see just raking over the coals of a salacious case that isn't, telling us anything more or challenging something or, or whatever, um, there's no, I don't see any value in that. So I don't, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't appeal to me. But, um, yeah, just, you know, getting the, the inside story, I guess, and then what's the deeper the deeper meaning that we can take away that almost tells us something about ourselves as people through exploring this and, and, and that. They're the things that interest me. Um, so yeah, I want to I want to grow it, and it's still maybe artisan and and boutiquey and bespoke. But yeah, I'd love to because I like working with people, and I'm I love uh, seeing what other good storytellers and good journalists can do. And if I can get that happening, um, and the way I look at it too, as part of the business model too, is the IP that you create in a narrative podcast. If you own that, then that's yours to to then on licence or sell. You know, I know in the streaming world and, and screen production is something I'm interested in um, and, and learning a bit more there and uh, have a couple of um, sort of very early work going on a few fiction or based on, you know, experiences, script it's getting written at the moment and... Um, and again, I've got no idea if they'll fly, but I think at the heart of what the, the germ of the ideas there are really good. And what I've road tested with people so far, people seem to say, yeah, you should have a go at doing that. And so I see the value in creating these long form things. Yeah, If you get a commission, obviously make it and, and try and make a living out of that. But if you can retain the ownership of the IP, gives you another chance to have that project or that story live on in another way
0: and going back to something you touched on a few minutes ago and you sort of mentioned the fact that you do have just from having been around the tracks a pretty good legal knowledge how are you thinking about the defamation risks involved and I don't I don't mean so much in terms of getting something wrong just the fact that powerful people if they want to can call in the lawyers and tangle you up and that must have been one of the great things of being under the nine umbrella was there were lawyers and you to help you stand your ground how are you thinking about that as an independent
1: yeah that's 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 a really good question um, obviously you've got to legally protect your assets and, and the way you structure um Your your affairs, but also your your company, and then um, there are there's insurance policies as well, which are expensive, but you would be getting those. uh, And look, you can't stop someone from suing you, right? But um, I think you can mitigate a long way by you know just being doing responsible journalism. And, and giving people opportunities and things there. And then it may well be, you know, and this is all hypothetical, but you, you, you put it out on a, on a big platform, there might be a spread of the defamation risk there in a, in a contract or something like that that you would look to, um, you know, negate your risk um, to the fullest extent that you can, but you may not be able to negate it all. But, yeah, then you just you, you get the homework done and have your assets separated from the vehicle. So, you know, I know you look at what land developers do, for example, with the with development when they, you know, they get whatever, 532 Hoppers Crossing Road or whatever, pro- Development Proprietary Limited, that's the vehicle through which that project is done. It's a $2 company, right? They protect, they try and protect their assets by the vehicle being a special purpose vehicle for a particular project, set it up, do the project through it, shut it down.
0: And I suppose one of the problems with defamation is, of course, they can also name individuals in the case as well, which, which I guess to a certain extent skirts around it. Um, what I mean, you must see it. You know, I've only ever experienced it right on the periphery. You, you must have seen so many lost hours. Days, weeks, months of work spent on dealing with legal stuff. What do you make of the state of Australia's defamation laws?
1: Ah, oh, they're they're a mess. Um, it's don't get me wrong. Like my starting point is I believe people have a right to defend their their reputation, and you know, investigative journalism does you know, throw punches um, wouldn't be in, in doing its job if it, if it doesn't. And there's a balance there, but I just think at the moment um, it's too easy, the, the onus on the the journalist and the, the publisher or broadcaster um, to disprove an imputation And now an imputation is different to what's in the copy. An imputation is down to interpretation. And I think the interpretation is very generous towards the the plaintiff um, in most cases. And it's not healthy. It's not good for Australian democracy. Um, Irresponsible journalism, yeah, absolutely, should be rightly condemned and punished. And, you know, if we... We make errors, or we get it wrong, and we're duty bound to uh, tidy up our mess, you know, and 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 cop our lumps um, quickly and 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 without trouble for the person that's been or the whoever's been harmed. But it's hard, yeah, it's really hard to defend. And you're right about the hours and the time, and the it, it makes reporters um, it can just wear people down and make them gun shy on. Things that should be written or, or broadcast aren't being, or may not be, just purely because it's go, I can't go through this again. You know, and your employer might go, "We don't want to go through this again." And and it has a real, yeah. Look, I can tell you without getting into examples, it's it's a it's a constant discussion between journalists and editors at the moment about the defamation risk in a story, and is this story, is the bang for buck going to be worth it?
0: Now, um, nearly final question, I suppose. Think about new things, new media adventures, whatever they are. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, How much runway have you given yourself before you need to go and get a job again working in big media? Or or are you definitely done with that?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say I'm definitely done, but no, probably 18 months to two years. Not being foolishly optimistic, I think, but I'm reasonably optimistic with a bit of trial and error and a little bit of luck. I can make some of this work, if not most of it.
0: Well, the new venture is called Southern Ocean Media. Richard, the very best of luck. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for listening to the Unmakers from Unmade. If you're an Unmaker, I'd love to talk to you. Email me, tim at unmade.media. Today's episode of The Unmakers was edited by Abe's Audio. I'm Tim Burrows. Before you remake it, you've got to unmake it. The Unmakers.
1: Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.